Welcome to Coffee, Conversations, and Badasses Podcast. I'm your host, Dustin Hayes. We bring you heroic stories from badass people who overcame mental health, addiction, relationship, and business struggles. The road to success doesn't come easy, but these badasses didn't quit. The heroic stories are told with the hopes of saving lives and to let you know you're not alone during these difficult times. And the show wouldn't be made possible without our sponsors. Red, White, and Badass Brew, Coffee as Bold as American Spirit, and Go Man Go Productions. Your vision is our mission because we see it too. Today, today's guest is Coach Dan Whaley with Thrive Coaching Academy. Also author, How to Lose Fat Without Giving Up Pizza, hometown San Diego, California, and some accolades. Lost over 100 pounds and put on 20 pounds of muscle and beat addiction through education and dedication. Some of the previous uh, professional experience, worked as a maritime law firm, assisting acquisition of large yachts and valets, and a valet at various hotels in UCSD Medical Center. Well, without further ado, Dan, how are you doing, buddy? Dang, first off, what an intro, man. I really like that. Uh, I really like that that the that jam that you had playing. Um, yeah, love that, man. But I'm doing great, Dustin. I'm just happy to be here. You know, we've had a we've had a fantastic morning already. Um, I'm ready to rock and roll, brother. How's your mornings go? What what is your morning routine? Like you get up usually around the same time every day or what? Yeah, that's a yeah, great question. Um I, I want to get up at the same time every day. <laughs> I want to get up at the same time. It doesn't happen all that all that often. Uh, but usually I'm up I'm up before 6 a.m. So I try and wake up before 6 a.m. And I've been trying, man, like you, we talked about it a little bit right now. But like you said, I've been you waking up at about 4.30 a.m. So I've been trying to do that. And I've been trying to hit my workouts at 5 a.m. The gym opens up at 5 and um, all last week, man, I was so good. I was so good at it. I was like, I was there between five and five fifteen, working out. Felt great. But man, what I experienced was like during the afternoon is just this complete drop off in energy. So I was like, I, like, is this really worth it? You know, I was kind of asking myself, is this is waking up, you know, sacrificing an hour of sleep just to take an hour nap later in the day. Like, is that really what I want to do? You get to take um, an hour nap. I mean, that's that's amazing. First of all, <laughs> yeah. And like I said, I try. I try to nap. I'm not. I'm not the best napper alive. Um. But to get back to your original question, man, my morning routine looks like this. So I'll get up before six a.m. That's like a must. Um. So it's before six a.m. Hundred percent. And the first thing I'll do is I'll open up. I'm a. I've been getting back into my religion. So I'll open up the Bible app and I'll have my little time with God. It takes about five minutes, roll through like a little scripture or prayer, you know, kind of just like center myself for the day. And then I'll uh, open up my gratitude journal. I have a little gratitude journal that I put in my note tab, my iPhone, and I'll write down five things I'm grateful for that day. And that helps out tremendously, man, with the mental health and just like just having that appreciation for the day and 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 thinking of all the things that we already have, you know, like just being grateful for what we already have and just accepting kind of as is 
So I'll do that, which is a powerful, powerful tool to, to do in the morning. Uh, and then I'll read. I'll read for about 20 to 30 minutes. And whatever book I'm reading right now, I'm reading a practical programming for strength training. And I what thought, is that? What is that? Dude, it is no, too much. Is that is that another like episode right there? Just this is own? a whole nother episode. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just getting into it, right? And I thought it was gonna be very general knowledge. Like I wanted to read something that I can go and spit back to my clients and be able to, you know, uh practically program their 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 workouts and whatnot. Um, you know, I have a base of knowledge, but also I'm looking to increase all of my knowledge every day, you know? Um, but man, this goes deep. This goes deep into like neural adaptations and like all different types of, um, just like, uh, training induced muscle adaptations and energy metabolism. And it's not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> We'll we'll definitely get into that. So let's go back to your journal. When did you when did you start this journal? Yeah, I started it um, last October. And you've been doing it almost every day since last October. I've been doing it at least four days a week. At least four days a week. Some days I skip. Like kind of Sundays, I don't usually get to it because Sundays are my day, my day off. Man, just <laughs> to not to not open up many apps and not open up my my social medias and things like that so sunday is a dan day and uh, you gotta have a dan day you gotta have that that nothing to do no work no nothing just a you time you know to do whatever you want to do whether it's chill out on the couch and play video games or you know go on hikes or a road trip or whatever you want to do that's a huge huge important thing for your mental health extremely necessary yeah i mean and especially being a Bro, you know, you know, being a business owner, being an entrepreneur, like we're working 12, 14, 16 hours a day sometimes. And it's not it's not fun to do that seven days a week. It's not even fun to do that five or six days a week. But right yeah, now, you grind. know, it's just grind mode. And um having that Sunday, having that Dan day is is completely necessary. And I'll even do that day. Like on Friday, man, I was kind of feeling a little burnout. Um and me and my buddy went golfing. We had a photo shoot Friday morning and I could have went home and could have just got right back to work, but we decided not to do that. We needed a day. So we just went out on the course, hit the links. Yeah, man, my links look a little different, man. I can barely hit the damn ball for some reason. You know, when you're, when you're going through these kind of transitions, right. Or these, these times and you're hitting them hard, the grind, right. And to stay motivated, it's difficult. And you're from San Diego. Yep. So it's even probably harder for you to stay motivated. If I was, you know, lived in, and I'm from Oklahoma, so I I know like boringness, you know, can really <laughs> settle in and you don't have much to do. But in San Diego, you <laughs> always, yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it's just like a land of like empty, you know? I mean, it's beautiful, but it's flat, you know? That, you know that's why tornadoes love us, you know? Because it's just a big flat land. Yeah. Um, But it's just, you know, you don't have a whole lot to do. Like out here, you got, Everything you possibly wanted to do, you can do it in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And how hard is it to keep that motivation going living in San Diego? Mm. Yeah, man. You know, to be honest, Dustin, it's not that hard, man. It's not that hard. I'll tell you why. It's because I'm so I I'm so focused and I know exactly what I want. 
Like I want to, me and my, me and my business partner, we want to have the best transformation program in San Diego. And then we're not going to stop until we get there. So having that strong, like motivating factor as to why I show up every day and put in the, put in the work that I'm doing, that's what keeps me around. And then also that dedication, you know, and then also being able to have like, you like have those days to myself, you know? So like not being it, like not really like getting too far off that you, that I'm just so fried, you know, that I don't feel like working out, like working anymore, you know? Um, so yeah. Well, you're, you're battling the burnout. Yeah. So just, you know, having that strong, that strong why, like you got to know your why, like if you're in it, sure. if you're in anything, right. In any aspect of your life and you don't have a why as to, as to why you're doing it, you're not going to, you're, you're going to, you're going to drop out, you know, you're yeah, just, at some absolutely. point it's going to catch up to you. And you're like, man, I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. And that's going to catch up to you. And you're not, you're not going to want to do it anymore. Sure. Let, let's talk about a little bit about how you grew up here in San Diego. How, how did, how was that? You know, I'm always intrigued to learn about how people grew up in San Diego because, you know, being from Oklahoma, it's, it's pretty, it's boring. You know, you, there's not a whole lot to do, but in San Diego, there's a, such a ton thing to do a beautiful city. So how, how was your childhood? How was, how was you growing up? You know, was it both parents, single parents, little grandma or, yeah. How was it? Struggled in school? Yeah. Um, yeah, man. So let's just take it back. So I grew up in East County. Um, so kind of away from all the beaches. Grew up in a a, a little a little community called Spring Valley. I don't know if you're familiar. Oh, yeah. We're in Santee. Oh, yeah. So you're right next door. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So grew up out there, man. And um, my, my dad and my mom, they were together for the majority of my... Um, majority of my kid life. So my dad was a correctional officer. My mom was a nurse. So she was a pediatric nurse, I believe, um, for a long time. And I went to a private Christian school in Chula Vista. So, um, so I had to, so we, it wasn't close. Like school wasn't down the street by any means. Couldn't never walk there or ride my bike there or anything like that. So we constantly had to be getting rides to school. And what really sucked about that man was my mom worked nights and my dad worked early mornings. So my mom wouldn't be home for time for school and my dad wouldn't be home to take us to school either. So what we'd have to do is uh, we'd have to wake up with my dad at around 3 a.m. And he would, we'd get ready for school, right? And he would drop us off at one of our friend's houses and then she would drive us to school. So we'd go there about 4 a.m and then fall back to sleep right until about 6 30 and then she'd take all of her kids to, to school and then we'd be like the last stop so that was kind of that happened a lot pretty pretty frequently and when my mom was able to take us to school she, she she'd be able to take us too but um so that was kind of that and my parents got divorced probably around nine or ten years old or so um, so that, you know, that changed, a, that changed a lot. Uh, and then that changed the whole dynamic of the family. It did, man. It did. You know? So now you're going from one house to two houses, to two houses. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But and now trying to figure out school. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, we, I went, I went to a private Christian school from preschool to eighth grade. So we were there my entire life. It was a small school. My eighth grade class had 12 kids in it. 
Um, so it was very small, very, wow. very tight knit community. But uh, as far as growing up in San Diego, man, I mean, it, it was cool. It was it was fun. We didn't really get a chance to do a whole lot. Um, we didn't go to the beach that often. We didn't really do a whole lot of whole lot of fun things. Um, basically, we rode our bikes and went hiking in the canyons and, you know, did all the kid stuff, got in trouble playing yeah. playing night tag and all types of stuff. So that was fun. But but yeah, man, as far as like the whole San Diego life, I don't really feel like I ever had that like childhood where I was like at the beach all day, you know, and then I go and go to friends houses all the time because we live right down the street. Like it was just, you know, the friends that I had, they didn't live close to me. So we had to, you know, had our well, neighborhood, neighborhood kids. Well, it was all school friends, right? I mean, that's and you didn't live right next to your school, like you said. That's crazy. So what did, how did that impact you growing up, you know? with this school situation because i mean that's hard that's hard to drive a period of time and being away from it and your parents getting divorced what kind of impact did that have on you growing up yeah man it was like i mean with any divorce right it's tough it's tough on the kids because i mean my brother and i we even went through therapy um because we thought like it was our fault that our parents were getting divorced you know we were so young i was nine and he was 11 and they got divorced one time and they were like, okay, we're gonna do this. And then they decided to, you know, maybe try it again. And then two years later, they were like, okay, yeah, like this is the final time. And that whole like flip-flop kind of dynamic, um, it was rough, man. It, it 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 kind of put us in a in a state of whose fault is this? Why is this happening? Is this our fault? So me and my brother, we had to go through therapy to kind of figure like to kind of talk through our emotions and talk through like kind of what we were feeling so um i mean yeah it wasn't we had a great childhood my mom and my dad did a lot for us um they tried to give us the world you know but from a divorced family and and especially going through therapy as like a as like a a kid and whatnot it was tough man it was it was not it was uh it definitely played a role on like i think my my uh my mental health and kind of like where where I was the rest of my life. Sure. It gave you a lot of uncertainty, you know, and that leaves a lot of doors open to find other things to give you certainty, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's drugs, alcohol, you know, hanging out with delinquent kids or whatever the case may be, yeah. you know, it's, uh, it gives that, give you that door, that openness, you know, cause you're finding, you're trying to find that connection. Yeah. And that's funny that you say that, man, cause the reason why we went to a private Christian school is because the schools around us in our community were just terrible schools. They were like, I mean, some bad kids went there, you know, and at least that's how my parents portrayed it to us. They're like not going to that school. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, yeah, man, that's the whole reason why we went to to that private school in the first place. But then, you know, high school came around and it was like our first time being in a, like a public school. Whether it's, we went from, you know, 300 kids from preschool to eighth grade throughout all the classes to 3,000 kids, like, in an entire school. So it was a, a huge change from from middle school and then jumping into public school, high school. Oh, man, did you go, like, Animal House? Did you were like, man, party? <laughs> like, dude, like, well, this is the stuff I saw in the movies, <laughs> like, or, or were you just like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to keep with my traditional values that I've been, you know, kind of in school that I was raised with and I'm going to get through this time in my life yeah. or 
uh, because yeah, so it it started out. I tried to keep all my core values. You know, I was very shy and kind of closed off because um, I was a, a big kid and coming into freshman year. So, like, I I. But you were overweight. Two hundred seventy-five pounds as a as a freshman. In your freshman, freshman year, yeah. you were two hundred seventy-five pounds. Five, just a big boy, just sitting right there in the middle of class. Yeah, that's a. That, oh man, I can only imagine that. Yeah, was man. So 275, you know, coming from a private school, like everybody knew me. So I felt comfortable because these are the kids that, Grant, mind you, I've been there since preschool, bro. Like <laughs> I grew up with, this is my entire life. So they knew me, right? They knew that, ah, oh, that's Dan. So I felt comfortable kind of around them. And then, man, when I went to public school, it was like eye opener, right? And just being around all these kids where they had all these friends and um, I didn't have any of that. So I would actually like, my brother went there first. He's two years older than me. Um, so he kind of made friends first and then kind of grandfathered me into his friend group. Um, so that's who I would hang out with. I would just hang out with my brother and his friends and I actually tried out for football because I really wanted to play football, man. I was, I loved football and my middle school didn't offer football of any sort, anything like that. So really wanted to play football and I tried out as a freshman and I was loving it. And I went through the first week of practice. And after the first week of practice, man, I was so sore, Dustin. I was hurting. I didn't like it. It was hard and I didn't know hard work. I actually shied away from hard work. And because I was not mentally tough, I was, you know, I was a an overweight kid that was, you know, kind of babied as a kid as well. Um, yeah, I went through challenging times, but that didn't make me the person um, that I wanted to be. You know, that didn't make me mentally tough. And so I quit football, man. My freshman year, I decided I was like, this isn't for me. This is too hard. I'm not going to do this. I'm too overweight. You know, I had all of these self-limiting beliefs. Um, so I quit, man. I quit freshman year and and that was my avenue to make friends was football. And then when I quit, I kind of didn't want to be around the people that I met during that first week of practice because I was like, man, well, they're just going to see me as a quitter. I don't want to even be around them. So I would just go back to my to my brother's friend group because I was comfortable there. That was comfort. Sure. Well, you just you were trying to go out of your comfort level and your insecurities got the best. hundred percent. Your insecurities, your insecurities, your self-doubt, you know, all that came out. You know, if they had football probably in this private Christian school you went to, been great, would yeah. have been fine. You know, but now getting removed from that and into a sector that you didn't know anything mm -hmm. really about and going from 12 to 3,000, that's a huge yeah. jump for anybody. You know, 12 people, I mean, you're going to get close to probably with yeah. all of them, you know. Uh, going to 3,000, you're like, mm, man, I have nobody here. What am I going to do? You know, but thank God your brother, you know, wasn't the type of sibling that was like, stay away from me. You're not cool. <laughs> Get away. You know, I don't want anything to do with you, you little rug rat. You know, you're annoying. You're making me mm. look bad, blah, 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 blah. That's awesome, man, that he, you know, stepped up and was like, hey, come on up here. I got you underneath my yeah. wing. You know, did he also have a weight problem? Uh, no, actually... No, he's actually been the skinny one in the family. We've always been pretty jealous of him. My dad was uh, overweight, my mom as well. But my brother always yeah. always was skinny. But it's funny though, now it's yeah. kind of uh, the, the roles have reversed a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but 
flip flopped. It's funny how that happens, right? I'm actually help, yeah. I'm actually helping yeah, him. So, um, you know, de- develop a, a better a better relationship with food and exercise and things like that. So I'm actually blessed to be in a position to help him through this time right now. Sure, it's it's hard, man. It is hard once you get into a certain way to break a habit, oh. man. You know, if you're certain, if you're trying to eat, you know, right, and you're overweight and you struggle with diets, man, it's so super difficult to get on, you know, these, these, uh, I'm not even gonna say diet, it's transformations, man. You know, it's, it's, it's a mm-hmm. lifestyle change. Now, that's why I like to call it mm-hmm. lifestyle change. Um, wow. So, so growing up, how did, how did that impact you being bigger? So you went through there, you quit your football mm-hmm. team. And now you kind of self-isolated and only hung out with your brother's friends. Did that happen all through high school? Because, I mean, your brother graduated a couple years before you, and so did the friends. Um, Yeah, man. So to continue with the story, um, so I quit freshman year, and and then I saw, like, how much fun everybody in football was having. I had classes, you know, I didn't have classes with my brother and their friends. So I was kind of forced, you know, to make make other acquaintances and try and make other friends and – as a big kid, I was obviously like made fun of in, in class, especially in public school, like private school. There was a little bit of that, you know, but being there and like being a Christian school, like it was kind of frowned upon, obviously, to like make fun of other people because of their weight. Um, but right. as a public school, man, it was like free game. So uh, people, I remember <laughs> yeah. one of my best friends today, actually, um, he would make fun of me all the time in our freshman Spanish class. And I, I resented him for it. I didn't like him for it. I thought he was an asshole. You know, I thought he was a fucking prick. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't like the guy. I thought he was cocky and arrogant. Um, but, you know, fast forward to sophomore year, man, I actually joined the football team and it was the best decision I could have ever made. Cause I make, I made friendships that still hold true to this day. So fresh, so sophomore, junior and senior year, we all, we played football. And um, I actually found my my passion, man, and I was actually really good at it. Um, and I think that's just because of my size. You know, I played O line, so so soft, sophomore year I played uh, tackle, <laughs> junior year I played guard, and then senior year I played center. So went through all the positions, and um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. What would you say to somebody who may be in that same spot in their life that you are? that you are back then what would you say what like to help them go yeah. get through it yeah be comfortable with being uncomfortable that's the best i mean that's, that's the best great. thing man it's it's there's nothing good that happens in this little space that we're comfortable in there's nothing there's no growth that happens there and you're not going to meet new people staying at home and playing video games you're not going to meet girls staying at home and you know being in your comfort zone and you know your life's about building relationships man and that's how that's how people get to that next level is through the relationships they build and through the things that they try that they normally wouldn't try so if if someone was in that position now where they're like kind of on the fence about it and they don't really they don't really know if that's the right thing for them and they feel this resistance kind of pushing back on them man that resistance is telling you that that's what you need to do like if you're feeling any type of resistance in your life, that's what that's where you need to push. You need to push back. 
And so that's what I would tell him, man, push back on that resistance, be on, be on, be comfortable with being uncomfortable and, and just go for it. You never know what's going to happen until you actually try it. Yep. Don't self-isolate, get out there and don't be afraid to take that's chances. Right. You know, put, put it out there, man, put the risk. The risk is definitely worse than the reward versus just staying in and self-loathing, you know? What uh? So you so you did high school. You did the football. You transitioned out of that, and that's is that what got you into fitness at that time? Boy, man, what got me into fitness? I'm gonna be on. I mean, I'm just gonna be honest with you, right? I was tired of being fat. I wanted to. I wanted to look good without without my shirt on. Like that's kind of what that's kind of what brought me into the fitness space. I in high school football, right? You're gonna work out a couple times, but I didn't fall. I hated the weight room. I never, I never fell in love with it. And uh, man, it wasn't until, so after high school, we were in college and we were taking some uh, some health classes and we started learning about all these diseases, right? That overweight and obese people have to deal with. And um, I was, I was kind of on my, I had started my journey, right? Senior year, I was like 240 pounds. So I had lost some weight, but I wasn't actively trying to lose weight. And it wasn't until I learned about all these different diseases and, and things that overweight, obese people have to go through that I was like, man, this is this is going to be my life if I don't make a change. So with that and the, with the idea that I wanted to look good without a shirt on, that's what got me in. So being scared shitless about stroke and heart disease and diabetes, and then with the combination of wanting to look good with my shirt off, um, that's what got me in, man. And and since then, man, it's been, um, I mean, for the first three, four years after that, it was full force. I went, I went so hard into fitness um, that we were actually able to lose, you know, a hundred pounds. So we went from 275, my, my highest, and then my lowest was 155. Yeah. Really? Wow. That is, that's a huge... That's a huge, I mean, that's 120 pounds, buddy. Yeah. That's a lot. You know, I mean, that's, that's dedication right there. You know, so how did you, would you say 155 would be a healthy weight for you though? Hell no. <laughs> no? No, not even close. No, it was, I was skinny, man. I was, um, it was kind of an unhealthy skinny because I went about it the wrong way, Dustin. I, I lost weight the wrong way i was heavily restricting my calories i was doing all types of cardio you know running every single day doing um, everything that you're really not thought, supposed to be doing <laughs> yeah because i thought that was what yeah. you're like how to lose weight was just like don't eat a lot and work out a lot how do you so how do you go from like when you're in that situation and you're going like okay i need to lose weight i understand or i want to get fitter or i want to look better i want to you know, I want those swimming trunks to really fit nice. You know, I want the show me muscles, the arms, you know, the chest. But how do you get through the noise? How do you know what is right and what's wrong with everything at your fingertips? Because you go on there and you just type in how to mm -hmm. lose weight into Google. You have yeah. millions of pages of advice, you know. So how would you go about what would be? What would be a, a takeaway for somebody to be like, hey, listen, this is how you this is good advice and this is not so good advice. Yeah, you know, it's all about it's all about what works for the long term, right? And what's gonna be sustainable. So a lot of these fad diets and things like that, like they're not sustainable, man. 
No one's going to be counting points on Weight Watchers for the rest of their life. No one's going to be drinking Octavia shakes for the rest of their life and or, you know, eating, eating keto even for the rest of their life. Like, that's tough, man. That's tough to, to like stick to that for the rest of your life. So like basically what we found is just like through some research and, and different studies and and following like fitness professionals and things like that is just like a, a very flexible approach. Right. And it's just focusing on your calories and your protein and then in combination with some strength training and hitting a step goal. And if you focus on those, you know, four things, calories, protein, strength, train, step goal, like it's just going to be a natural um, decrease in weight, a natural downward trend. And really, that's what's going to lead to you to like a long term success, because really, when you do it, like when you do it my way. So I did it, obviously, restricting calories heavily and and running a lot, a lot of cardio. What that did for me was I lost a I lost a ton of weight, but you know when we get into this, um, the next couple of years, right? Uh, I gained all that weight pretty much right back. And what that what happened was my metabolism was so shot that when I stopped dieting, I introduced more food into my system and my weight just shot right back up. Your body yeah, know so, you know, it. really just like taking things slow, like that's how you, that's how you see progress is just to go, is to go slow. We have a, we have a saying, actually, it's slow and steady slims the waist. And it, I and like it that. fits, that's though, awesome. you know, because man, if you do it fast, if you want quick results, then you're not going to have permanent results. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I've tried, uh, you know, I wasn't a fat kid. I wasn't fat until. Mm. Well, when I got, well, not medically retired, when I got hurt. Um, but yeah, I shot up to 275 mm. pounds at my heaviest. And I tried every stupid diet there was. And, you know, the same results. So I lost 20 pounds, but damn, and, I gained 25 back. And it's not fun. And just, it, <laughs> it's yeah, it's terrible. No, it's terrible. My like, And most of them like 1,500 calories and I'm intaking 6,000. Like I'm going mm -hmm. to be hungry and angry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's nothing good that's going to sustain my mental state and going, man, this, this shake really is tasty. Like, hell no, they didn't even taste good. Like it's a slamming these shakes. You're just like, mm -hmm. God, this is so terrible. You know, all I want is a cheeseburger. You know, that's it. My, my fat is telling me I want cheeseburger. I want to feed my inner soul. Um, and then you give up on, and then you have that cheeseburger and then you don't, then it's just like, well, I've had one. Uh, tomorrow, you know what? I'm just going to do the fries, and then you're back on it, man. You're on that, you know, McDonald's supersized. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that Dude, that highly. Yeah, I mean, mine was that uh, that highly palatable <laughs> food, man. It's just like it sends those oh. those those signals to the brain. That's like, ooh, I want more of this shit right here. This is that good shit that you're feeding me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't want that. Chicken and broccoli no, and those shakes. You, so as soon as you start, you know? man, I'm such an advocate for it, like not labeling foods off limits. You know, like I just, I really believe that there are foods that you should eat more of high quality, lean protein, good carbs, vegetables, right? Eat more of, and there's foods that you should eat less of. And, you know, if, sure. as soon as we label foods off limits, that creates this like, man, the human nature, as soon as we're told that we can't have something, what do we want? 
We want that thing, man. You want it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, same thing. Don't touch that button. And then what are you doing? You're like scratching. You're just holding your hand back not to touch yeah. the button. And it, and it happens same to like the, like the kid level too. You know, like you've seen those videos where like the dad will put like uh, some gummy worms on the table for the kids. And they're like, don't touch this. I'll be right back. What do the kids do, man? They're just all over it as soon as the dad leaves. And that's no, yep. it's no different yep. for, um, for anybody at any age. Like as soon as you say you can't have this food, all they're going to be thinking about is I can't wait to have this food. So I, I, I like to teach like being flexible, yep. man. Like, and that's what I wrote a book about. I wrote a book on how to lose fat, uh, without giving up pizza. It's just short little nine page book, but there's a ton of value in it. And um, it teaches teaches you how to incorporate foods that you love into your diet and still be able to make progress towards your goals. Because it's entirely possible to eat pizza or eat burgers, you know, in moderation. Obviously, you're not going to have a full day of eating pizza, but you can still enjoy like a couple slices of pizza as long as your nutrition outside of that singular event is is decent. Yeah, that's, I mean, and that's important for people to know because I don't feel like that is very, it, it's not a mainstream, it's not a buzzword because people, I, I think people think of it and, and when they hear that, they're like, bullshit, that's fake. You can't do that. You can't have a cheeseburger. You can't have a milkshake. You can't have a root beer float or you can't have fries or whatever your simple pleasure, jelly bellies. Oh my God. Don't even get you know, jelly, you know? on those root beer floats. Uh, don't even, yeah. <laughs> yeah, root beer float, man. I do. I it, it's so embarrassing that the the clerk at the grocery store didn't know me by hey going in there and buying chicken and like tons of food. She knew me by I'm getting a pint of ice cream every or no, not a pint, but the quarter or whatever. Every couple of days, I would go in there and I would get that and a you know couple what's called a couple of handles couple of root handles. beer and. Uh, <laughs> couple of handles of root beer like uh and I, I always went for the gourmet stuff and that is not light on any aspect of calories and none of it's good you know i i'm just surprised i didn't get diabetes from it you know what i mean like i just and i did it for a long time and that's where i really popped man. and i was and i was just i was in surgery so just out of surgery so there was no mm. working out i was completely just bedridden and i'm just sitting there watching tv just I mean, shoveling the shit in my face, man. Just, <laughs> that's, so funny. that's just so funny me, oh man. man. Like, that was that was the thing. Like that's the trigger for Dustin. Oh, it is. I know. Well, I still have root beer floats. I know, but I now I just yeah. But now I get a kids cup. Double, get kids cup. Little scoop of ice cream. <laughs> no, no, I ain't going. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I did. I bought a Seven Eleven big gulp cup. Just for God, my root beer floats. That's that's <laughs> terrible. That, if you're and I don't even know, I couldn't even tell pot, you. Don't do that. Don't go out and buy a a double big no. gulp. <laughs> no, do not do that. Do not do that. I highly suggest you don't do that. If you want the root beer floats, man, get the kid cups. You know the little six or eight ounce ones, man. Perfect. You know they yeah. they feed the scratch. You know what yeah. I mean? Then, then it's over. And then you're like, man, I got satisfied. I felt, I feel satisfied yeah, and now. Cravings are such a natural. It's a natural thing for us to have cravings. Like if we're craving sugary foods, it's probably going to tell you that something might be missing in your diet, and that your body is craving something. So you can replace those cravings with something, but maybe a little bit better of an option. So if you're craving sugar, 
you know, have some fruit with some honey or on it or something, you know, like you can, you can itch that you can, you know, scratch that itch with just the right choice of foods and, you know, you be healthy in the process. And natural honey is good for you. You know, I mean, relatively, yeah. I mean, in moderation, yeah. you know, I mean, that's what I do. I do the, uh, that Hawaiian, Hawaiian bread oh, and I'll, I'll drizzle some, yeah, I drizzle some, uh, you know, some honey on there. And I'll put it and I'll eat it with eggs. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll make three or four eggs and boom, that's my breakfast. So you, you eat know, so, honey with eggs? Yeah. Well, I mean, not, I don't put the honey on the oh, eggs, so it's not like but egg I have the toast. It's not like an egg sandwich. sandwich. No. Okay, so this might disgust you how I make my eggs. Might disgust a lot of people. And if you're a health professional, you're probably going to, matter of fact, comment on it. I'd like to know. I would like to know what you think about how I make my eggs. Um, so I get a bowl and I spray some Pam in a bowl and I'll crack the eggs in a bowl and I'll mix them. I'll put some like pepper and some salt in it, you know, mix it up mm-hmm. and I'll put it in the microwave for like a minute and 30 minutes or a minute and 30 seconds. <laughs> and, and then I pull it out and I eat it. Now is, is that an unhealthy way of eating eggs? Uh, no, man. I mean, it's gonna, you're cooking it the same way, right? I mean, it's, yeah, I cook it. Yeah. I mean, you can cook it in a pan, but yeah. Then you have this pan and then you have the dishes. And so I kind of do it from like an efficiency point of view. Mm-hmm. I'm just kind of like easy, boom, crack, put in there, toast, honey, eggs done, boom. And, yeah. and chow them down, man. It takes really about four minutes to make it and eat it. Yeah. Do the eggs like have a different texture, consistency? Oh, fuck. Yeah. 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 It's not like what you get like sunny side up or anything like that. I mean, you could probably, there might be a way to do that in the microwave. I don't know of it, but they balloon up. Mm -hmm. So they kind of like flower up, I guess is, is the best way to describe it. They just kind of fluff, fluff up, Mm. Um, you know, and, uh, but I don't cook them all the way where they're like solid. Like I still want some of that some of the yolk and some of the yellow and all that stuff to be kind of liquidy so I can move it around and I can swirl around. So it's not just all, you know, doesn't have that. You know, that t- yeah. That Yeah. I know. I'm a, I'm a weird cat, man. So <laughs> you're not selling this at all. <laughs> I, 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 I know I, I'm not explaining it very well, man. Maybe I'll make a video of me eating some freaking eggs yeah. and show you like, it's, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. I mean, for quickness though, it, it's, it's, it's made for quickness. And that's when I was, when I was taught, my ex-wife actually showed me how to do this. Um, I was like, man, I have found a new way to live. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I think they have like, I think they have like, uh, like jet, like made on TV, like cook your eggs in like, uh, uh, as seen, sure. as, what is it called? As seen on TV. Right. So oh, like I'm sure. Like egg dishes that you can just pop in the microwave and it gives you like a nice sunny side up egg. Oh, I'm I'm 100 sure there is. I just never have took time to research mm. out there. I mean, I there's I can almost guarantee you there is. So you went through, so so now you've gone through this this transformation and you lost this weight and you're at 155 pounds. Mm-hmm. And at this point, did you have like a lot of loose skin or you know did you go through that or and did you bloom back up to 275 pounds or did you bloom back up to 200 pounds or how? You know, you didn't stay 155, obviously. You gained some weight. Yeah, I didn't stay 155. I didn't have, I actually didn't have a ton of loose skin. Um, 
And I can't tell you why that that happened. I have some loose skin now, but back then thinking on it, man, when I was my leanest, well, actually, okay. So I did have loose skin at 155, but what happened was I did CrossFit. Um, so CrossFit, for anybody that doesn't know, is a very high intensity kind of high intensity interval training, um, a lot of very, very uh, uh, powerful movements like cleaning and snatching and things like that. So um, I think that intensity made me kind of shrink the skin a little bit. Um, but, you know, after that, man, I, I kind of went a different direction in my life. Um, so I went down like uh, I just turned 21. So I found out like drinking and going to bars was like the, the thing to do. I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, so I think through that kind of over the years, um, I did gain some of the weight back for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you're turning 21 and you're allowed to go into bars now, you, you're going to usually hit it pretty hard, right? Yeah. And I mean, especially if you didn't really do it probably when you're younger. And I, I guess it's all about the mentality of other people, right? I mean, because not everybody's that way, but shit, I know I was, you know, I know when I turned, I actually, I was, I had a fake ID. So I was getting into bars <laughs> before. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that was just wrong, wrong thing for me to have because it was every other day going to bars and uh, I was 19. So nothing not else good. To do in, nothing else to do in Oklahoma. Well, that when we were in Oklahoma, we were here in San Diego. Oh, okay. Well, oh, I mean, there was a lot to do in San Diego, a lot of bars. <laughs> yeah, they were. A lot of bars with a lot of hot women. Yeah. You know? And then when they found out my age, and I would have to lie to the girls that I'm 21 because they're like, how are you in this bar? And I did not look 21. Like this beard was not always there. I wasn't born with this beard. Like this beard wasn't just luscious when I came out. I couldn't even, I couldn't even grow a full beard when I was 22, 22. I, I still could get away with a couple of days without shaving. Mm. You know, and it wasn't until, I don't know, my, my ball dropped. I don't fucking know what happened. <laughs> You know, like late, I, late, yeah, late 30s, like 27 is when I really found out I could grow a beard. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Dang, yeah. I had this beard probably since I was 21. Yeah. That's a good looking beard too, man. Hey, thank so, you, bro. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> so you, uh, so you went through this life and you lost a lot of weight um, and you found alcohol at 21 and really started partying. Did that cause any issues? Not at first. Not at no. first. I I kept it I kept it under wraps for a long time, man. You know, in high school, like I wasn't wasn't the biggest partier. I didn't love drinking. Drinking always made me sick. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I didn't I didn't love the feeling of of being drunk. I was like, man, I get the spins so easily. So I didn't really have this like oh, I love drinking so much. I can't wait to drink and drink and um, so yeah, man, it, it wasn't really wasn't really like the forefront of my brain. I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed going out, having a couple drinks, but at that time still, man, I was still fully engulfed in my health and my fitness and CrossFit. And man, we were working out, you know, sometimes twice a day, five days a week and just getting after it. I was lean, man. I was, I had never been that, I'm still not even that lean as I was back then, but, um, but yeah, so it, it wasn't until it wasn't until like probably late, like 22 or so 
that I, I kind of fell off the wagon a little bit and started drinking a lot more. Um, and I don't really know why. I think it was just the thing to do. You know, I was 22 years old. There's bars. It was fun to go out to bars. There's girls at these bars. And um, I looked good. Like I would like, yeah. you know, I'd be having the confidence. I'd have the confidence to go up and talk to girls and girls would come and talk to me. So like, it was just, it was like, man, my life is great. Like this is all coming together. Like this is what I've been working for. And I think I kind of used that as like an excuse to keep doing that, right? Because it felt good. Sure. It felt good sure. to you be out You get attention there. from girls at bars. Yeah, yeah, it felt good to be out there. It felt good to have the attention. Finally, you know, I'm like, finally I get the attention. I had just broke up with my high school girlfriend like a couple years ago. So, you know, like we were just like getting out back on the scene, right? <laughs> and so I think I use that as an excuse to like go more often. And then, you know, it's kind of just how it starts, right? It's like you try it once and you're like, oh, this feels good. And you keep going and going and going. And then um, it got to the point where we were like, you know, throwing parties when my mom wasn't out of town anymore and and um, seeking out parties. Like we'd go to one party and then, you know, go to the next and then hit the bars and then go to the after party. And um, so it, it got to that point. And uh, I think really, man, where it all changed was was one night, man, there was um, someone had offered me some cocaine and I didn't I didn't really I didn't want to kept saying no, you know, and then I would see them on it and I'd be like, man, that kind of looks fun. And um, I decided to give it a go. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. Right. It was great. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> And that's kind of when it all, when it all changed. So that was, I think at like 22 or 23 or something like that. Um, and then from there, man, like it started out as just like a novelty thing, right? And then it just kind of progressed into, into, um, into addiction. Wow. So what, how did that addiction change your life? And what were you doing to feed it? Cause co cocaine's an expensive addiction. Yeah. 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 So I was, um, I was working at a law firm, I think at the time, 23, I believe working at a law firm. So I was making pretty decent money. I had just moved out of my mom's house for the first time. So I was on my own living in North park with my roommate. So North Park's a great community where there's just bars everywhere all around. Um, and so I just felt like, man, I'm living the life. I'm making pretty decent money. I got my own pad. Um, going out to, to bars every weekend, like this is a great life. Um, so that's kind of like how I how I fed it, and I think being on my own like really kind of reinforced like I can do anything type of <laughs> like kind of invincible mentality, right? Yeah. Um, first time being on your own, you just kind of feel that way. You're like chest up a little bit, you know, a little puffy chest, and um. Yeah, man. So I, I, I was able to afford it because I was making pretty good money at the law firm. Yeah. And um, so you, so you continued on. How long did you have this uh, addiction problem? Yeah, man. Probably about eight years. Eight so years. Like really, like really being. So I didn't know that I was becoming addicted until I was like fully into it. Like you know, you know, uh, like doing it at work and and like just 
maybe having a little bit left over from the night before so like do it in the morning you know and um i just thought it was like oh, i'm 20 like this is just yeah. the thing to do like i'm young let loose yeah i'm just young dumb and and um and yeah man so so it it, it lasted it lasted a, a a good amount of time it lasted eight years or so um but really like in the heart of my addiction because before the first four years or so it was very recreational I wouldn't seek it out very, very often unless maybe I was going out for like a night on the town. Um, I wouldn't be doing it, you know, Monday through Friday, anything like that. But towards the end of it is when it really got, you know, really got bad where I was like kind of seeking it out multiple times per week, even if, you know, just doing it by myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was, it was, it was rough, man. It was rough and I don't suggest anybody do it. So what did you, so what did you lose? I mean, how did, did you lose a lot of things in it? Like you had a roommate obviously and all that stuff. You had a car, a job, you know, did yeah. it cost you all that stuff? I didn't, I know, man, I actually didn't lose too much. So I was pretty, fu I was pretty functional. Um, I didn't let it fully, con I let it consume my mind. I was still, I showed up to work almost, almost all the time. I'd probably call out, you know, maybe once a week if I was like really feeling it, really hung over or something like that. But but really like where it affected me was my mental health. And I just didn't feel like I really could make a commitment to anything. I didn't feel like I had any purpose. I didn't feel like I had any motivation. I had no drive. I would still try and work out, but I'd be balancing working out the job and then drinking. And then, you know, when I drank, that's when that that's when those urges started to happen. Um, so I try and balance it all, but I wasn't making any progress. I was just, I was working. I was just spinning my wheels. Sure. Well, your brain was, you, you trained your brain to go into this and go, all right, I'm drinking. There should be something with this mm -hmm. because this is now a routine thing that you're doing now. You know, it's kind of like waking up and, uh, you know, petting your dog. You know, it's a routine thing. Like if you don't pet your dog that morning, you don't feel, you feel off. You're like, mm, something's not right here. Same thing. I mean, you're going through the, you're going drinking and last four years, you're like, man, I've been drinking. Now I should have a little bit of white substance with this, you know? Um, <clears throat> no, that's, and that's, you know, what made you change though? That's so you didn't really hit rock bottom. It didn't really cost you a whole lot. You know, you just had this epiphany of like, man, this is bad. I am now, ha I'm full blown into a habit. Yeah, I think it was more, I think it was more, like I said, like mental things, man. I just was so depressed all the time and nothing made me happy. Um, and you know, like all I wanted to do was just drink and be by myself. Like I, it got to the point where I didn't even want to go out anymore, you know? And that's when it starts, like when, that's when you know there's a problem is when, you know, you do this upper, right? And then you don't even want to see people. You just want to be by yourself. And there were so many nights of that. And I just, I hated, I hated myself for it. And I'd wake up every single day and I'd be like, I'm not doing that again. I'm never doing that again. And then, you know, I'd, I'd get through the day and those feelings would subside. And then I'd start to get bored and it would revert back to uh, maybe one last time. Um, so it was like that constant battle of like doing it to feel normal, I guess. And then waking up and just going through these really raw, uncut emotions of just of of disappointment and shame and guilt. 
And um, like that's you know, where I had enough was just that repetitive cycle of like, man, I can't keep doing this. Like I'm, I'm legitimately uh, hating on myself. You're depressed. And it's, you know, when, when you're negative towards yourself for that long, something has to change. Otherwise, you know, you're just going to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And, you know, I just, there was multiple times in my life where I was like, I'm going to change, I'm going to change, I'm going to change. And um, it wasn't until I got back into my health and fitness that is when I really like replaced it with something else that made me feel, you know, just as good. So um, it's about it's been about a couple years, couple years back now. Um, I took a, you know, I just told myself that this was going to be the last time and haven't touched it again. Really? And is that same thing with alcohol? Alcohol? No, I, I still, so I'll drink a, I'll drink occasionally, you know, I'll enjoy a margarita every once in a while. So that's a little bit different. I did, I did go sober for almost, almost a year and a half, two years when I first stopped, because I knew that if I didn't go sober from everything, you know, I would find something to try and like lean back on. Um, So I've introduced alcohol a little bit more these days, but the urges and all that stuff are, are long gone. Uh, Yeah. You, you broke that cycle. Yeah. You know, and that's that's what what it takes. And that's what it takes, man. You got to break that. You got to break that cycle and it takes hard work and it takes consistency and dedication and, and knowing like knowing why, again, having that strong reason why. Like it's so, I say that so many times to all of my clients and everything like that is having a strong reason why keeps you in the game. And the longer that you're in the arena fighting, the more success that you have. But as soon as you turn your back and you leave the arena, you just gave up on yourself and there's no progress to be had outside of the arena. So have you ever met a happy alcoholic or drug addict? No. I mean, they're happy at the time, right? Yeah. In life, they're shambles, right? Yeah. They're not happy with themselves. That's, you know, that, that, I think that's a big key takeaway is like, I've really never met a happy alcoholic or drug addict. No. Like they're depressed. They're filling that void with a liquid or powder or some substance to feed themselves and to make them feel better about themselves, Mm -hmm. but they're not going to find it. They're going to have to find their true meaning of themselves and love themselves to get out of that or hit rock bottom say, man, I really have nothing left. I probably should stop doing this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the reason that we talked about this when we last talked too is like, you know, a big reason why people drink is not because they're an alcoholic. It's because there's an underlying issue that is causing them to drink and fill that void and escape that reality. Um, And I think like what really pushed me was I was working at the law firm, you know, I was like living, living the high life. And um, I realized like that was not what I wanted to do. I hated it. I, after a couple years, you know, I just, I hated sitting down. I hated being under fluorescent light. Didn't like what I did. And so I quit and I went back to doing valet. Um, Cause that's just what I knew. Valet, you can make some pretty good money. And um, yeah, just, you know, being what I thought was a career and then going back into what is not really a career. I think that kind of pushed me to like be a little bit unhappy with myself. So I felt that I filled that void with, you know, something else. Um, and then also, you know, I think I broke up with my broke up with a, or a girlfriend had broken up with me. 
um, during that time as well. So that kind of pushed me over the top too. And I was like, man, I, I need to fill this void again. So, you know, it's all, it's, we're, we're escaping something when we're drinking, when we're, you know, smoking weed, when we're doing cocaine or whatever vice it is that you have smoking cigarettes, even like there's, you're escaping something, but you know, you got to really pinpoint what that is. And that is when you can really change is, is to understand and become aware um, of why you're having these urges in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I think it's very important, you know, to dive in and find why, you know, and don't be afraid of the why, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You really got to, really got to sit in that. Yeah. You got to really let that marinate, you know? And once you find that, why you can break that mold, you break that chain. And now you're on that healthier path to recovery. Yeah. Um, Sweet. Well, let's take a break. Do you need to take a break? Yeah, sure. So, so you went through, uh, went through addiction, addiction issue with cocaine, broke up with a girlfriend and knew you were depressed. And, uh, you made that transition by, by fitness, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so through that time, man, um, I mean, it was, like I said, it was years, right? It was years of kind of battling this and I was a valet at a, at a really, at a really fantastic resort here in San Diego. And, but (laughs) it was funny, man, because I wanted to get away from this, from that life. But then when I got to the resort, I found out that everybody there drank and partied. And so I just got sucked right back into it. And um, that was really like, I feel like the heart of my addiction was working at working at this resort. Um, Just because I was around it all the time. Like we'd be, I mean, we'd be um, just having fun, like on the jobs and people would be inviting us to their rooms and we'd be like drinking with the guests in their rooms. And like, I mean, it was, it, it's, it sounds like really fun and it was fun at the time, but you know, little did I know that's kind of leading myself to this, to this dark place. Right. Um, it's okay to have fun. It's okay to enjoy some of those yeah. moments. The problem when you're chasing that moment every single day. Yeah. Yeah. You know? let, me, let me plug in my laptop real quick. I'm, I'm running out of juice. Yeah. We don't want that to happen. So we. All right, cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you're at the you're at the resort having fun, getting called the rooms. You know? Yeah, just having a just having a great time, and um, and and then COVID happened, and man, COVID was tough because I was on one hand I wanted to overcome this, right, and I felt like I was making strides towards the end of my resort valet career, right? I was a valet bellman and. Um, worked there for about three, four years. And towards the fourth year, man, I felt like I was finally starting to turn the page where I was like, okay, this is not you, Dan. This is not what you want to do for the rest of your life. Like, let's really find what is going to, what is going to make you feel good. And it's not, it's not drugs, it's not alcohol. And I started working out again. And I actually, one of my buddies, he was a he was a he was a trainer and he was doing like free online fitness plans. So I like paid him 40 bucks for just like a 
a cookie cutter plan and like a little meal plan or whatever. And I was like following that to the T and I was feeling so good. And then, and then COVID happened and you know, work stopped, life stopped, the world stopped. And I got, uh, was sitting at home with nothing to do and boom, right back into it. And, um, wow. Just like that. Yeah. Huh? Cause there was nothing, there was nothing to do. And, um, and that's when I gained a lot of weight back. I shot back up to 230. I was just eating and smoking and drinking. So I shot right back up to 230. And uh, it wasn't until the that happened for the whole year. And it wasn't until the end of 2020 when I reached out to my buddy. And he's been a long time, very successful personal trainer, had his own business. He was just, he was just absolutely killing it. And I reached out to him and I was like, man, I need, I need help. I need to change. And, um, and he was like, uh, um, kind of like talking me through some stuff, you know, and I didn't ask him for, didn't ask to be trained by him or anything like that. He was just kind of giving me some pointers on, on how to, on how, um, how to be better, right? How to just become healthy again. And so we started working out again. We started working on our, on our, on our nutrition again. And I wanted to take it to the next level. So I told him, hey man, I, I, I want to take my health to the next level. I'm tired of this. And I gave up drinking. I gave up smoking, gave up partying. And I, I really wanted to show him that I was serious about making a change. Um, so I had been sober for four months when I reached out to him now. And uh, we started training. And that was when I found out um, about personal training and about how how I can help other people, you know, achieve success and freedom and, and live a healthier and happier life. Um, so I worked with him as his client and um, did that for a year. And at that time I was working at a hospital um, as a valet, so got a new job. And um, yeah, so Sounds like a lot different environment than working at a resort, you know? You're not getting called to people's room. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was. Yeah, and part yeah. of being at the hospital too, we went through drug tests too. So I like, I had to quit. I had to stop. Uh, really, they drug tested to be a valet yeah. at a hospital? Yeah, yeah. Because it, it was UCSD. Okay. Um, so it was a state, gotcha. a state system. They do all types of checks and backgrounds and drug tests and all that stuff. So in order to, you know, to pass, I had to, I had to stop this lifestyle. And that was probably the best, the shit, the best thing that ever happened to me was, was stopping and being sober for, you know, two years. Yeah. And it gave you that accountability too, knowing that if I slip up, I could have a drug test yeah. and lose my job, lose yeah. my source of income. Yeah. And I really wanted to turn the leaf, turn the new page. So, um, so that's, that's kind of like, that's kind of how I transitioned out of that. Um, out of that lifestyle was was reaching out to my buddy and and hiring a coach to help me with my fitness because I knew that if I invested money into myself I feel like that would help me keep myself accountable right is that I'm already I'm in it like I invested money if I waste this money like that's uh, it's that sucks <laughs> yeah yeah I mean nobody wants to throw money down the toilet yeah. you know and especially when you're you got this constant strive. I mean, you have this, that you want to have that personal growth, you know, and you don't want to live that way 
you want to fix, you know, the, that addiction, you know, you want to get away from it. You don't want that addiction to have a, a hold on you anymore. You know, you want to battle it and win. Mm-hmm. And you did what, uh, and then you got it. So you got into fitness. You yeah. got this coach is, is that how you were like, you know what? I'm going to start a fitness company. Um, yeah. So it was, yeah, it was actually. So that it was a huge reason I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Cause I knew that valet wasn't going to be a, a career. You know, I was making good money. I was making 50, 60, 65,000 a year. So as a valet at a hospital, like not that bad, you know? Um, but I knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do. And I, for the life of me, thought that I really wanted to work in the healthcare field because I saw my mom as a nurse being uh, very successful in her healthcare um, career. So I was like, I think this is what I want to do because it involves everything that I love. I love health. I love helping people and serving people. And, you know, I, I love being around um, people that I can that I can help. So I was like, healthcare is it. This is what I want to do. I'm going to work at the hospital. I'm going to get my foot in the door and I'm going to become a, a nurse or I'm going to become a respiratory therapist or something. And I really started uh, interviewing a bunch of people at the hospital that would be coming out. But, oh, hey, wait, hey, what's up, man? Uh, what do you do here? You know, just kind of like stop them on the street. And they go, oh, I'm such and such, best perfect therapist or whatever it is. I'm like, how do you like it? You know, what type of hours do you work? I'm thinking about doing this myself, trying to, you know, got my foot in the door. And they're like, oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, like, well, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's fun, but it's just not what I envisioned. And that was kind of a lot of the responses was, it's not how I want to help people. I'm kind of succumbing to the, to the will of the healthcare system, right? And um, so I, I told myself, well, I don't think this is what I want to do. I'm working long hours. I'm making some good money, but I'm not doing the, the stuff that I want to do. And I didn't see myself, you know, progressing in that career. So that's when I reached out to my buddy who was my coach at the time. And I was like, man, I, the healthcare field, I think it's great, but I don't think it's for me. And he kind of implanted the idea of, why don't you become a, uh, a coach? Why don't you become a personal trainer? And so that's what I did, man. I pursued that through the National Academy of Sports Medicine and got certified as a trainer. So you planted the seed, huh? And the rest is kind of history, man. So, so now you're thriving with, uh, you know, with your badass company over here, man. Um, Thrive Coach uh, yeah. Coaching Academy. Yeah, now we're thriving. That's that's it, man. I, I love it. I love the name, by the way. That I mean, that's a pretty yeah. cool name. When I when I first read, I was like, all right. It, and I read your book, by the way, the the nine page book that you that you yeah. mentioned before. And I know I'm segueing back into that. Um, but that book was phenomenal, man. I mean, because it's a no shit, straight nine page, point. no no frills, no frills, no. Fr- this is it with proven results, and uh, you even have a couple links in there for apps yeah. and stuff like that, and some yeah. suggestions. You know, I, I think that's amazing. So you got into this business, and you're rocking and rolling, or not really rocking and rolling. Now you're just trying to figure out this way of business. Did you have a business mentor? Did this guy coach you in yeah. the business? By the way, if anybody wants a copy of that book. Uh, follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Coach Dan Whaley. I'll send you a copy. Shameless plug there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, dude, we're, we're gonna plug you in later. Uh, Don't anyway, worry. so yeah, <laughs> so yeah, man, we have a mentor group. Uh, it's called the Change Lives Academy, um, and it's a group of trainers that teach in-person trainers how to transition to online. So I'm an all online based um, coach. And, you know, what we found in doing this style of training 
is that we get we, we can give so much more time to our clients than just training in-person sessions. Because if you have eight clients and you're training eight people a day, right, you're only focused on one person at a time for that specific time frame. And there goes your entire day. So you didn't help anybody, you know, you helped those people train, but you can't really have a, a huge roster of clients and really give them the time and accountability that they all need seven days a week. So doing this online, we're able to actually like um, put those personal touches on the training and give them nutrition guidance, accountability, lifestyle coaching, exercise coaching, um, and really like all aspects of health and fitness. Anybody can go online and Google a, a training program and it's going to be pretty good. You know, it's going to probably get you some results. But the hardest thing is, is to overcome everything that's happening in between the years. And that's what we focus a lot on is mindset coaching and lifestyle coaching, stress management, sleep habits, nutrition. Um, so it's really like a, a multifaceted layered program where we help people just change their entire lives around. Well, that's that's it. I mean, if you don't, you can be healthy on the outside, but if you're not healthy on the inside, then eventually mm -hmm. this is going to fall apart, you know? And uh, th that's a great aspect because when we first we first met, we were on yeah. Facebook, right? So, um, and I saw your video, or uh, it was a live, it was a live video, and it was talking about protein. It was talking about protein, and uh, you know, I've heard this time and time again, and I knew, but when you don't practice something for so long that you just kind of forget some nuggets of knowledge, but it was a basic thing that you just, hey guys, listen, your goal weight. If it's 180 pounds, you need to be taking 180 grams of protein in a day. You know, and I was like, yeah, no shit. And so I did that little change just off of your video. I did that little change and my muscles felt fuller. Like, you know, because before they were just kind of like, man, like flabby, you know, like, I mean, they're there, but it didn't feel full, you know, and I felt fuller since I've got that mm -hmm. back into there. Uh, now, I don't know if I'm hitting those marks yet or not, because uh, I'm going to I'm going to get back on my on the, on the, on the app, you know, and just track my stuff, you know, and I, I don't care where it's at. I just want to track it to know for myself. Um, but no, that's, that, that's awesome, man. So how do you, did you find it difficult to actually talk to people about transitioning from in-person to on an app? Because that doesn't seem natural, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is, um, it, it's all how you, it's all how you present it. Right. A lot of people, they, they love in-person training, um, but really, you know, like they don't see a lot of results doing that because, you know, like I said, like they're, they're only there maybe twice a week. If you can afford it three times a week, that'd be fantastic. But most people can't afford, you know, $75 a session three times a week. Um, so really like where it all lies is that you need to be consistent, you know, five to seven days a week. And if you're only being in person two times a week, and the trainer doesn't have time for you the other five days a week because he's coaching other clients, um, then you're not going to get the best results. So really, like if you want to optimize your results and 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 just become the best version of yourself, you need to you need to have that five to seven days a week consistency. So this is kind of like what that offers is um, is that consistency and that accountability that we all need. So holding yourself account. Holding it's, yourself it's accountable is tough. 
if you're not like, if you're not strong-willed and you don't like, you don't already have that instilled <laughs> into you, you're not going to hold yourself accountable to the point where you need to. Oh, absolutely, man. I told you early in the morning, man, I hate, I, I try to wake up and work out in the morning, but I fell nine times out of 10 doing it. You know, I'll get out there. I'll be like, all right, wake up, stretch. I'm like, all right, here I go, you know, chug some water, go out there. My feet hit the toll, the cold concrete. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm going back inside. <laughs> I'm like, no, not today. You know what? I'll start working out in the morning yeah. when it's warmer. That's <laughs> yeah. what I'm going to do, you know? And then your day goes on and you're like, oh shit, I missed my workout. You know? So now you're, you're down that day, but you miss a workout, you miss a workout. Just keep going. You know, it's like, can't really look back at it, you know, but you got to make that mental note. Like I miss that workout. When is the best time for me to work out? I know a hundred percent the morning is the best time for me to work out, to get it in there, to get it done and to get through it, you know, but I, I have a problem yeah. breaking that mentally. Yeah, I do. It's, it's one but of those I mean, things. If you're missing nine times out of 10, maybe the morning is not the best time for you to work out. Yeah. But then life takes control, uh, after, and the, you know, cause I never know what my afternoon is going to look like from, from doing, uh, you know, the other business. So it's, it takes so I know that I have to make this transition to a morning workout. It's just making that transition successful has been a difficult part for me. But you're right. I mean, maybe not. Maybe I just need to say, hey, you know, I need to work out at seven o'clock at night. Quick, maybe quick. that's my time. Is there a wrong time to work out? Uh no, no. You know that man that there's so so there's there's science that says like, oh, in the morning your testosterone's gonna be the highest, and like that's why you should work out in the morning or you know, um, in the afternoon, like you're, um, you have more fuel in your system because you've been eating all day and like, that's the best time to work out. But what it comes down to is what's the best time for Dustin? What's the time that Dustin can get to the workout consistently. And that's going to be the best time because if like we've been saying, man, if you're not consistent, you're just not going to see the results that you want to see. So if you can't be consistent in the morning, you know, then it, it kind of tells me just right off the bat, like, that's not going to be the best time for you to like force your body into working out because more times than not, you're, you're just gonna, you're going to brush it off and then go about your day. And then it's going to be 8 PM all of a sudden. And you're like, Oh shoot, missed another one. Yep. Um, so that the best advice that I can offer is find what works for you. And that is going to be the best time because we can go back and forth with all the science and literature and things like that. But what it comes down to is how can you be the most consistent week by week? Sure. Well, especially when you like, you know, I, I used to love hitting the weights, but now that I'm older, you know, you get, you have injuries and shit, you pull muscle a hell of a lot easier. I think these days than I did when I was 20. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, you know, you do one little wrong twerk and I'm like, Oh shit. What was that in my back? You know, like, that didn't feel good. Um, and then, uh, like I lost my, my, I lost the love for the pump. I lost my love for the, the, that kind of workout, you know, but I, I do love a workout. I do love working out, but now it's more like, I want to go hiking. I want to go mountain biking. I want to do Krav Maga, you know, not so much that weightlifting. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think that's the only thing we have to do is weights, right? No, you know, it depends no, on what no. your, I guess, what your goal is. You know, I mean, I doubt you can really get this defined body by going and 
and and getting muscles by going out and doing uh, mountain biking. Yeah, you'll probably get some legs and a butt, you know, but you're not going to have the show me muscles. You're not going to have the big chest and the and the arms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just move. So it, again, it depends on what your goals are, right? Just yeah. like exactly what you said. But movement is one of the best things that we can do for ourselves, just in general, right? Just yeah. moving our bodies because the workout it's great for providing that muscle adaptation where we're going to have more defined muscles and um, things like that. But really, if if your goal is to, you know, maybe lose some weight um, or just burn calories in general, like just moving more is going to be the best thing that you can do for yourself. I, I saw, uh, I was listening to a podcast and they were saying that they, it was a trainer's podcast, right? And they were saying that they had their clients where uh, a body bug, which is basically something that um, something that uh, uh, calculates the calories that you burn throughout the day. So Monday through Friday, typical everybody's workout days, right? Monday through Friday, they'd probably work out for 45 minutes to an hour, maybe an hour and a half at most. Um, and what they found was Monday through Friday, they would not burn as much calories as they did Saturday and Sunday. And Saturday and Sunday aren't even workout days. So you're like, what? Why is that? Well, if you think about it, most people have desk jobs. So they're going to be sitting down sedentary all day long. They might get up for a, a little bit of a lunch, um, but most of the time they're going to be right here, you know, right? Hunched over, sedentary, and then they'll work out for an hour and they'll think that they're active, right? If you go to like a macro calculator or something like that, then you'd be like, how active are you? Do you work out? two to times a week, three to four, five to six, seven days a week. Most people are going to be like, I'm active five days a week. And in reality, they're not because they're only moving, you know, one to two hours out of the 24 hours in the day. But on Saturday and Sunday, here you are doing gro grocery shopping, you're doing laundry, you're doing dishes, you're doing yard work, you're going on a walk, you're going on a hike with your buddies, you're walking around the city, having a good time. And they burned so many more calories doing that than they did actually performing a workout, you know, one hour a day. So depending on what your goals are, just moving your body more is a great way to just increase the amount of calories that you burn. But in combination with strength training, you're going to build more muscle mass and having more muscle mass will increase the amount of calories you burn at rest because that increases your metabolism. Um, so if you really wanted to take it to the next level, you combine moving with strength training three times a week or so, um, again, with the proper diet. And that's what's really going to push your progress and give you that defined figure that most people want. Because we, we all want those defined muscles. We all want those nice biceps, good chest, you know, shoulders. Uh, and you're not going to get that just by hiking and, and walking. So you have to provide that adaptation to your body. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, one thing we talked about was uh, the trigger workouts, you know, because I, I was telling you like, man, I really hate like, like the idea of spending hours in the gym to me is just terrible. I mean, just that right there is enough for me to break my spirit and be like, <laughs> yeah, fuck you. I'm not showing up today. I'm going to go to the beach and take my dog for a walk instead. Like, <laughs> you know, so it's like I hit my point in like 40, 45 minutes. I'm maxed. That's it. You know, and I and I can't do. And you were saying some about about trigger workouts, and just explain a little bit what are trigger workouts because I don't know if that's a that's not very common. 
Yeah, no, it's not, it is, it's not very common. It's something pretty, pretty new, but there has been a lot of studies that show that um, just by doing trigger workouts, uh, you can, um, in, you can increase the, the muscle definition and, and increase, you know, the, the way that your muscles work. So basically what it is, is you pick a couple exercises. I would suggest like one of each category. So a push exercise, a pull exercise. So it'd be something like a bench press, uh, a pull-up, a squat, and maybe like a deadlift or something like that. You know, something, some very simple, basic movements. And you do just one set of those, maybe 10 to 15 repetitions. And you just go through one set of, of each movement. And you and you have to, you know, you can't just get out there and do like 20 pounds on the bench press. Like it's got to be, you know, like a relatively good weight for it to provide that that muscle stimulus that you're looking for. Um, but you just do one set. It takes you about 10 minutes to get through, you know, all four or five exercises, whatever it is. Um, and you do that, you know, two or three times a day. And what that's going to do is, you know, you're going to give your body a, a chance to, to rest and recover. You're still going to provide a stimulus to your muscles. Um, and, you know, your nervous system is not going to be as taxed as it would if you go in to a workout and just go balls to the wall, you know, 45 minutes, 90 minutes, whatever it is, your nervous system is going to be taxed. And that's going to produce more cortisol in your body, which is actually um, is bad for you. You know, stress is not a great thing. So it takes all the, um, the muscle breakdown tissue that you have in your body, and it actually moves it to the excretory process in your body. So all that muscle tissue that you're breaking down if you have a high, super high level cortisol, like outside the normal realm of, you know, just working out a little bit, that's going to bring all that muscle tissue to excretory processes in your body. And um, you won't be able to build muscle tissue because that muscle tissue is now gone. Damn. There you go. Um, so we're going to, we're going to talk, we're going to touch on a topic real quick. That one thing that I, I really, when we talked over Facebook and, you know, I mentioned to you like, oh, you know, cause somebody else mentioned to me, like, you know, having a therapist and a workout coach and, you know, fitness coach and all that stuff. Like, that's a great idea, you know, because if they can work out together, that's a phenomenal thing because now you're getting them on a different level, you know, on that intimate level. And somebody brought that up to me, but, um, and I was just like, man, would you, would you work with veterans? You're like, man, I, I don't, I can't relate to veterans, you know? And, uh, and that, that really triggered something in my mind. I'm like, why, why doesn't he think he can relate to veterans? You know? And that's what really intrigued me about you because I was like, you know, why, why don't you think you can relate to, to, to us? You know, what, what makes us different than, than, uh, somebody else? And I don't think there is, I, I think we have more in common that we, that you would think, you know, like, uh, I was 275 pounds. I went through a bout of depression, you know, um, uh, like, wow, we can really relate on that. You can really relate to these veterans on, on that, on that topic. Um, do you think, do you think that would, but what would, what's your idea? Like, what is it intimidating to talk to veterans or is it like, what's the thought process behind it? Why you don't think you relate? Um, yeah, man. Good question. Um, I would say, right. I would say that 
so so veterans, right? They have a very very rich background, a very kind of rugged background, right? Where you guys have been through a lot. And I mean, I have obviously been through a lot too, but I haven't been through anything like like you guys have been through. And I feel like there would just be this elephant in the room, right? That I would like almost want to address, but have no idea like how to address that or like talk about it or, you know, and I just feel like I'd be like bouncing around um, trying to avoid talking about like war, <laughs> things like that, you know, it's something that I have no. Um, yeah. And I, I get it. And, you know, cause the, uh, on the civilian side, a lot of people are like, Oh, you're in the military. Like you've been to combat, you're a combat hardened veteran when that's actually not even the case. Like, and, and if we have a fact checker out there, you can fact check this um, because I would love to know if I'm wrong, but 1% of the people who are in the military actually see combat, mm. you know? So that's a, that's a very small amount of numbers that people who have actually seen combat, you know, but you can definitely relate to them on depression, overweight, overeating, exercise, addiction, business, you know, so there's actually so much more that you can relate to them. Yeah. Now it's hard to relate to somebody who has been in, you know, in that brotherhood has been to combat and you have that, that, that camaraderie there. And, and it's easy to be familiar with a, a veteran. And then you hearing these stories or us talking, you're like, mm, man, I really don't fit in here. You know what I mean? But we're just sharing a moment, you know, and that, and I think that's, what's the biggest thing is we're sharing that one moment in our life when you actually can share a lot of those other moments in life that we struggle with. Yeah. You know, because we get out, man, we get out and most of us gain weight and most of us go through a bout of depression. And, you know, most of us, you know, don't know what the hell we're going to do with our lives and been at some point of like, mm, man, what can we do? And I think you relating them through functional fitness would be, I, I think it'd be phenomenal. I, I think it's, it's definitely there. And I think people who, who don't think they can't relate can relate because they're relating on a different, different topic that could be even deeper sometimes. Yeah. You know, I think when you initially asked me that question, like my first thought was like battle hardened veterans, right? Like that was my, you know, when it's so true, you know, it's very, it's very much that representation when someone thinks of a veteran, you know, they, they think of combat and they think of, you know, war and things like that. Um, so when you first asked me that, of course, that's probably where my mind initially went to. But now talking about it and you know, our first meeting and whatnot, yeah, you know, I can definitely see how there are many other areas in life. And that is just a, a blip on the radar to a lot of people's lives. Um, and there's so much more, so much more to it. And, you know, you, you did kind of open my eyes to that. Um, there are a ton of other areas in life that everyone can relate to yeah absolutely because you're you're striving you know to show men that they can lose weight functionally you know and that's who you're marketing towards is is, is men right yeah and so um you know you're showing and i'm sure you got women out there you can do the same with women as well mm -hmm. but you're showing that um so what makes you a badass it makes me a badass man just the uh everything that I've had to overcome, you know, this resiliency in me that is, is willing to push through the bullshit and, you know, continue down this path of, 
of being successful and this you know unwillingness to stop you know there's this burning desire to 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 become the best version of myself you know i'm nowhere near the best version of myself so it's just this drive and this desire to show up every single day and not just show up but work my ass off towards what i want and the goals that um i have in mind and to not stop until i get there that's what makes me a badass Shit, you fucking just got me a new motivation from that right there, man. I'm like, <laughs> I mapped up over here. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's fucking a badass. Yeah. That is right there, man. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head. So where can uh, where can everybody find you at, man? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so you can find me on, on social medias. Um, Instagrams is at Coach Dan Whaley. Facebook is Dan Whaley. And TikTok is at Coach Dan Whaley. Awesome, man. Awesome. Dan Whaley, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for showing, uh, coming on here, telling your story and in hopes of helping somebody. So I appreciate it. Um, and if there's anything else you got, we're done, man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. This was a, this was a lot of fun. Glad I could, uh, you know, share some of my struggles and again, hope to inspire other people to experience the same freedoms that, that I experienced as well. Absolutely, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you. If you have a heroic story and you'd like to share it, get in contact with us. Our information's in the bio. Also, don't forget to hit the subscribe, like, and share. And then I'll see you on the next episode, badasses.